It's Coalfield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's All right, here we go on a Friday. Man, I miss my cue. What's going on? It's like yeah, you got napkins flying in the air. You have uh, FM DJs saying, calm down, stop running around the building. What's your problem, Ari? It's Ari. It's Cofield. Adam Hill is here. Big game three Friday. Should be 2 nothing. This should be a sweep. Montreal sucks. Um, I'm kidding. Obviously, Canadians show that they can be a dangerous team. We're going to get into the Canadian side a lot and preview this game three and talk about the series. Mike Kelly from... NHL Network is going to join us, and also Darren Millard, part of the uh, VGK broadcast team in the 3 o'clock hour. And then we advise you later, stick around with us as long as you want, but you've got full coverage over on our Fox station, our sister station, where Millard and RTHD, Ryan the Hockey Guy, will take you up to the game. Early puck drop. Got to do this time zone thing. We don't get to start the game when we want. It's convenient for us. We got used to it, right? All, uh, all the games being played in the West. So 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock is puck drop. All right, well, we are graced by the presence of Adam Hill, who is uh, big on hockey, although NFL writer, sure. then hockey, then I don't know what a plummeting whistle is, then MMA. So we'll get into the fight game a little later on as well. You okay? What's going on? I'm doing all three this weekend. You're running yourself ragged. What a shocker. Yeah, I'm going NFL, UFC. Ooh. NHL all Ooh, weekend. Ari, walk around our super expensive studio here and check out Adam Hill's feet. I am freaking shocked that on this day of all days, he's not honoring the holiday. What are you doing? Uh, I I wear I wear sandals, Steve. It is National Flip Flop Day. Uh, I wear sandals when I have. Like, nowhere in public to be. Oh, only if you're in studio and you don't have to go anywhere afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I just, I mean, not, it's not, and sometimes I, I guess occasionally I'll, I'll throw them on or whatever and go to the store, I guess. But uh, flip-flops are the, hey, I'm cool today. I'm good. I don't you and uh, our buddy Ryan McKinnell are the big flip-flop guys. Oh, I love them. Oh, vacation, Adam. <laughs> Flip-flops all day. They, I don't oh, even take right? shoes. No, I didn't. I actually saw someone. We'll have to get to this. I actually saw someone, uh, no ego on the guy at all, uh, tagging themselves vacation so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, are we doing this now? That's what I just, that's what I just quoted. I, I know you <laughs> yes. were, so, but I have to explain it to the audience. There is no vacation, Adam, because generally you sneak away. We don't know where you are, and you don't really publicize that you're going or when you come back. Although last time you went on vacation, you took some pictures. Sure. Yeah. Peaked some interest. With, with flip-flops. I did not go with flip-flops today. I actually did worse. I didn't even notice. I know. You never notice. Those are flip-flops. No. No. Yeah. No, they're not. 
I think flip flops have to have the freaking tongue. Uh, this is whatever it's called. What is I it? What's the what's the what's the thing that splits up your feet? Whatever I, that is. I think the thing the the toe thing makes it a sandal. Well, These are slides. Slides are flip flops. Are they? Yeah. Is it National Slide slash Flip Flop Day? And I'm a sli- I'm sli- I'm a slides guy. Not a fl- not a. Oh, you're not a flip flop guy. I'm I'm anti toe thing. Ari, you want to chime in here? Are flip flops and slides the same thing? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, they're the same brand okay. of lameness. <laughs> I, I, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm open to this. I've always just thought slides are flip-flops. Okay. And th- when you have the toe thing in it, that makes it a sandal. Huh. So what would a sandal be in your mind? T- totally separate. A sand- the sandal has closed toes, doesn't it? For the most part? The, the closed-off toes. <laughs> now, now, we're, now we're all over the place. I have no idea. I guess we'll look it up. We have to, we've got two hours with you today to uh, explore flip flops, slides, and I, sandals. I don't know that there's a, an actual definition. I don't think sandals apply on National Flip Flop Day. Wow, uh, no. that's that's a hot take. I will Come say right, I, right. I, I am honoring uh, those of us in the uh, fifty plus demo, including you, boomers. I uh, mean, that's egregious. This is an unbelievable look. It's the most comfortable look. You got the most comfortable feel. The slides <laughs> over socks and. Black socks. Yeah. This is my attire. I usually have on a, uh, as we would call it on the Jersey Shore. No, I can't say it. Um, I would usually have on a sleeveless shirt sure. on the weekends, but the weekend's sure. not quite here yet, so I show off the, the fat, puffy guns. Uh, I, the I mushy, think I The would, mushy guns. My Rosie O'Donnell guns. I don't usually get caught up in societal standard. Like I know you don't. You, you fight but, you fight hard against it. You get but, pissed. I will For say presentation, who cares? Yes, I will say this is one. Like I would love to wear I would wear socks and black socks as you are with, with slides. So what every are you doing? You're afraid? I'm like, it's just it's it's so frowned upon. That's one where I'm like, ah, I just I have to I'm just gonna go with what we do as a society and say no. I've no socks and sandals. I, I will say this. I spent we've talked about this, like how much baseball I played as a youth, it was insane. Oh yeah, you have like, to completely insane, yeah. and that's I got used to it because you, you have would to. go basketball yeah. and, and baseball. Yeah. You have to. You know how much your feet hurt, yeah. especially uh, baseball and cleats. Yeah, and you would wear, bring the slides, yeah, and you wear. I would wear slides all of, all the way up to warm ups, and then you wear the them cleats with, on. You'd wear them with your baseball socks. Yeah, which yeah. is even better. You, you have you could pull the baseball socks all the way up to your right below your knee. Oh yeah. Get the stirrups. It was great. <laughs> the and then and the high socks and the slides. Yeah, and then you as soon as the game's over, and I would do this in, when we in softball too. As soon as the game's over, then you take out take off the, you know, take off the cleats, go back to the slides over the socks. Like that's that was how I grew up. That was like my, my, you know, my life. And so so why, why are you? Don't worry about societal standards. Where uh, every once in a while, you're just like, I'm not. I'm not going to win this one. This is a battle. I'm not going to win. So why even try? Not gonna win against who? Who's gonna say anything? Society. Your clown friends? I've submitted. I've tapped out on this one. But you haven't, and I, I respect that. I Thank guess. you. Finally, yeah. some respect sure. after all these years doing shows together. Sure. Uh, this is a big one. We'll build uh, this topic a little later in the show. But Raiders camp, you know, stories are getting filed. We got 39 days until training camp. Vic Tafer, our buddy Vic. Damon Arnett has become almost an afterthought. What? He's the number one pick. He didn't play last year. Now you're back. Built up his body. He's stronger. He's healthy. An afterthought? That seems like a, a big stretch. Afterthought? I mean, 
whenever all these observation pieces that the, all the writers out there have pretty much done at this point, I wonder how much is all of us kind of thinking the same thing or noticing the same thing or our conversations in the media room kind of popping up as, um, you know, as kind of groupthink almost. But this was a pretty clear one to see. And in, in fact, um, I, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was. I think it was one of our photographers who came over. Uh, it, oh, no, you, you know who it was? I know now. Um, it was it was Case Kiefer from The Sun who had had kind of just said like, hey, anytime you look at Damon Arnett, he's just kind of off to the side pouting. And he's not even – no, that was his word. Uh, he's just kind of like hanging out and like not even participating really. Really? And I started looking – like I don't know that that's fair. I think what he was doing is observing. Um, I think he was checking out, you know, what exactly is going on. But I think he was – he was off to the side a lot more than kind of in the drills a lot, but I, I just think it was where he was standing and where he was positioned. I think it made it made it look different from the sideline than it was maybe out on the field. But more so than that, um, I I just feel like you start to look at the rotations, you start to look at the roster, and you start to say, hmm, they're talking up this guy, they're talking up this guy, they're talking up this guy, they're talking up this guy. Nobody's mentioning Damon Arnett. Yeah, but I feel like we we have to be very careful and pump the brakes on and the talking up stuff because yes. I, you know, we don't have time today, but I've been compiling a bunch of different radio, uh, Raider media people, and we'll get it next week. Like, just like rave reviews about guys, and I'm like, this feels like Keelan Doss all over again. Sure. Like, if you, if you follow enough people, uh, folks covering the Raiders, like the Raiders defense it has legit 19 contributors who are going to play all the time, and you're like... They're not, and my guess is some of the people you're talking about may not make the team. Yeah, and they're fighting for the practice squad. They're not a starter. They're probably not a contributor. But that's you know it's that whole again. We talked about this yesterday. You know the training camp is that whole hope springs eternal. You know it's a fresh start, and you know know, guys who we know, like we know who they are, veterans, and it's like oh, carving out a new role. Increase playing time. And you're like, no, they they know what he is. He kind of knows what he is. He's not playing more unless there's injuries. Yeah. And and I mean, you just take take like a, you know, I'll, I'll just pick a position like defensive ends where you're like, okay, uh, Yannick Ngakwe wasn't there for OTAs. You know, right. He was excused. He was just kind of hanging out. So all of a sudden you're going to have other depth guys. Someone else has to play. That step up and look really right. good. And you're like, oh, okay. Look at th- and by the way. Just so people are, are understanding this, no pads. Like they're just they're just out there. In and what does Gruden think about no pads? He hates it, right? But they're just. And what does he judge drills. off of no pads? Not a no, whole lot. Nothing. Nothing. And so, like, but but again, there's going to be narratives. There are going to be people that stand out. There's going to be people that get more reps than others because that's where you are, and then now in the development. And so you're going to start to talk about guys. I was now, going to say, can can if you're a fringe guy or you've been on the edge and you're dealing with competition and you don't show well, then that is significant. Yeah. You want to get noticed. Right. Like that's basically it. And, and and as we're saying, like other some guys are getting noticed and talked about, and that's a good thing to put them on the radar, maybe get them more reps going into training camp, but nothing's really going to matter until training camp. Basketball games coming up. We got a four thirty start with Philly and Atlanta. We'll talk about Ben Simmons a little bit as the show grows. Late game, Clippers against Utah. This is big. This is big. For people who um you know we have a lot of L.A. transplants, SoCal transplants, California's finally open. So that happened earlier in the week. Got a real crowd now. Yeah, This is a momentous deal. Like, we, you know, we've been through it now for a couple of weeks. 
it's a big deal at the Clippers game tonight. And I know people scoff at the Clippers, but it's a big deal in the series. Now they're shorthanded, uh, but that crowd is going to be much different than it's been throughout the playoffs for, you know, for the Clippers and going back to the Lakers. But, and then when you, when you talk about how people feel about the Clippers or how people talk about the Clippers, like this tonight is, this is the Clippers opportunity to completely collapse. This is what they do. Yeah. And and I like I'm not saying they are. I hope they don't. I I want I want them to to keep this going. And especially without I know. without Kawhi, I love to see Paul George shut a lot of people up. Like I want them to succeed in this spot. But like this is everything is going in their direction. They overcame Kawhi being out. They went on the road. They get a win. Put themselves in a position. And all of a sudden, this is where they have failed in the past. Let's hope for if you if you. Want them to win. Let's hope that that doesn't happen again. We were going through betting possibilities yesterday because I was like, ah, hey, you know what? I'm kind of gung-ho to find some value in this series. Let me look at the Clippers. And the more I looked, I'm like, there's no value. No. No. The value is on the Jazz side. Yes, they have to win two games. But this is a lot to overcome. Well, the value is before game five. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, but but now, if I'm yeah. trying to find something now. I mean, I bet the Clippers to win the title at 9-1. to one. I should have bet them to win the West. Uh, as well, but I bet him at nine to one. It was actually a bad number at the time. You could have got him at fourteen to one before you know game five. All the emotion of Kawhi, the line exploded. But uh, yeah, I still feel like the Jazz can win this game tonight, and then it's going to be tough to go game seven back to Utah. All right, the setup for the game tonight with our Golden Knights. This is crazy. Now you can't get information from the NHL. It's it's just it's a vault. So Montreal's coach. The charm, there's COVID issues. Is he 100% out tonight? Oh, no. It's <laughs> looking that way. I mean, I'm, we're reading reports that there's there could be testing irregularities. Then we're seeing other people saying he's positive and he's out 10 days. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And, you know, I mean, we can't find out upper body, lower body status of injuries with the players. I mean, I think eventually we're going to find out the COVID status of Deshaun if he's going to be able to coach tonight. Well, I think we'll find out when the game starts. You think we're going to have to wait all the way until the game? I think there might be a report. We saw the the most recent report uh, that was out uh, was still awaiting official word. This is Darren Dreger, uh, national writer, of course. We had him on yesterday, so he's he's the guy. Awaiting official word, but it's believed he has tested positive for COVID and will be sidelined wow. at least 10 days. Oh. And that also will bring up contact tracing issues. Ooh. All right, let's build on this on the way back. Something, I sh- you know, I was going to say, something we did not expect, but with the NHL, we should expect it. The secrecy, we should expect it. And the other thing we haven't factored in is... The dangers, especially for the Canadian side, because Canada has been much different in terms of getting the vaccine out to its people. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You know, there's going to be a hatred that's going to build pretty quickly. Uh, you know, playoff series are going to be physical. Uh, stuff is going to boil over from game to game. And, uh, you know, it's already started a little bit. Uh, I expect it to keep going. But, you know, we're both in each other's way right now. So there's not going to, we're not going to be liking each other. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Five o'clock start. Game three. Canadians and your Golden Knights. Adam Hill, Cofield, Ari, Ryan Reeves. On the way back as the uh, the hate is building between the teams. Don't jerk around in front of the net. 
Don't start messing with either one of the goalies. Then all hell breaks loose. All right, what's going on on the Canadians coaching side? Uh, what is the latest on Ducharme, coach for Montreal? We got COVID issues here, and it ranges from uh, he may miss the game to he may be out for much of the series. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's positive test, it sounds like it'll be at least 10 days the way that it plays out. Um, it, it's, a, it's a complicated issue, too, because from what it sounds, and again, a lot of these are just you know preliminary reports are coming from all over. We're trying to scramble to figure this out. And, you know, we as reporters aren't allowed to be there. So there is a, a mandatory two-week quarantine, so nobody's there, uh, which is another issue. Um, but it sounds like if there is a positive test, which it looks like there is, and there's no uh, complications, there's no, you know, false positives, anything like that, it would be a 10 days, which means he would miss the rest of the series. Um, he, from what it was reported earlier, had – a second shot just a few days ago. And so he's not yet fully vaccinated. So that's, that's two weeks after your second shot. So he's not there yet. So that does change the protocols a little bit as well. Um, it's a, a crazy situation having happened two series in a row for the Golden Knights when Bednar had a false positive last series, had to miss a morning skate, but then he was there for the game. Sounds like it might be different tonight uh, for uh, Dom Ducharme. So I, uh, it's fascinating, but it's also interesting to find out what they're going to do as far as close contacts. I mean, how many players were around him? What if, what if he sat there and had like a, a meeting with like his top power play unit or top line, whatever he did? Who knows what they did and what they can you know figure out and ascertain from all the information that they have? Are they, were they masked the entire time they were down here? Like, what were the rules? Oh, it's different for vaccinated and non-vaccinated, and but I, I also don't know. I think there's different rules that the Canadian government gave them, right? To be here. So I'm not sure how that plays out as well. Like the, uh, There's a lot of complicating factors to this that are very different than it, than what the normal protocol would be. Man. All the NHL needs. Yeah. You know, I am going to go back. And I, I, I know it would be, it might not matter because the, the Canadian element of this makes it super complicated. But you and I did say many times when the vaccine was first coming out, the NBA and especially the NHL jumped the line. Yeah. Just get... Easier said than done. Just offer everyone who wants to get vaccinated the vaccine and get it over with and avoid complications. Now you still have to deal with the people who are not going to take the vaccine. And there may have been some of those people. But I would imagine Ducharme, if it was available to him three months ago, probably would have gotten it and would be okay right now. You would think. But the NHL wasn't proactive, and they also had to play the PR game. But I I remember having the conversation. It's like, oh, the NHL is going to get bashed for this. Who cares? Right. Who, I mean, they'd get bashed by some. Sure. I think they get backed by a lot of others. I mean, right now we've got a, a you know, a, a U.S. that's very split on this. Take it or don't take it, right? Yeah, and and we what we also said at the time was you're going to take a lot more grief if there's an issue in the playoffs when you could have done it, yeah. and like we're going to get to a point where supply outweighs demand. We talked about that, that, that the at the beginning, thing. yep, and and we knew we were going to get to that point fairly soon, and we did. And we did. And now, we weren't far off from what the now, date now, was. Now we're giving million-dollar prizes for people to freaking right. take it. Right. And so, yeah, you could have, you might have jumped the line, you know, a little bit. By the way, you wouldn't have jumped it that much. No. The way that the doses were coming out and as many as we were starting to get out Two, there. Two, three weeks. Yeah. It's, I, and I don't, mean to, I don't mean to denigrate the sport. It's also hockey. It would have, like, the anger would have faded in, like, three days. Sure. And, and, if it's the NBA, it would have, it'd still be going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, by the way, I... As far as I know, I think a lot of private companies did it. Yeah. And I have no 
evidence of that, but I've, I've heard from people that are like, oh, yeah, our company bought a bunch and you know vaccinated everybody. Like, I think that happened in more places than we would know. But, yeah, people would have been maybe upset for, like, what, an hour? I'm not going to play this game and do the, you know, what's wrong with Chandler Stevenson day-to-day. Could he come back tonight? Let's just play the game. He's out. Will DeBoer go with the super line up front on his first line? With the super line? Yep. How would that work? Let's go. Tuck, get up there. Well, they need somebody to play center. We had the discussion yesterday with Daniel Negreanu. Poker guy, super fan, and uh, he was he was suggesting just then tuck play center. <laughs> okay, I mean Stone. What do they do? What do they guess. do to solve this now? If, if there's no Stevenson, what do they do? Well, we saw what they did last game, and it didn't necessarily work out. No, uh, Nick Wall went up there for a bit. That didn't really work. They tried Colasar. Actually worked a little bit offensively, but uh, defensively, Colasar was exposed a little bit. Um, I mean, you could break up the second line, move Colasar up. Or excuse me, sorry. Uh, uh, just mention Cole. Sorry, you could you know move Carlson up to the top line. I guess try to figure out something. But then you're bringing then you're, up something good there that's had rhythm, right? But maybe you know maybe one of the other center, maybe Watt works out better on the second line than he does on the first line. It's more defensive minded line. I I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to try to do. Um, I, all I know is that it, it does greatly impact the team because Chandler Stevenson might not be the biggest name on the team, uh, but he is a massively impactful player. And we've talked about the damage uh, that his speed does to other teams, the pressure that it puts on other teams. And when you put that kind of pressure on teams with the center on that line, then all of a sudden you've got Mark Stone, who's one of the best two-way players in the league, and Max Pacioretty, an offensive-minded guy who's just a great goal scorer um, and, and a playmaker as well. Like Those guys are activated because of what Chandler Stevenson does. So to not be able to have you know, that line be – at maximum strength and at, at maximum potential, it messes up the rest of the lines too. Because no matter what you do, no matter what you figure out in terms of moving guys up to that top line, now you're going to have less depth on the third line or the fourth line. It's right. going to kind of mess you up there. So you take nothing from uh, – there was a, a Joshua Clipperton who works for the Canadian Press who said Alex Tuck skating between Mark Stone and Pacioretty at the morning skate. Oh, by the way, sorry. There was just a – I decided major news of break. So Uh-oh. I was like, okay, what hold on. It? Uh, the Golden Knights players arrived at Bell Center. We're waiting for a league news release to confirm whether tonight's game will be played. What? <laughs> All right. We'll build on out on the way back. We're going to talk to uh, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. Wait. the ga- What? Whether the game is going to be played? Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. First from the draw, a shot comes on net and a score. Tyler Toffoli sort of muffed it, but he still got it by Fleury. And it's a 2-0 Canadiens lead. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Well, I love to hear those highlights. Will we have any tonight? What's going on now? This is crazy. So now we've got a report. Adam was just popping that on the air about a minute ago. Golden Knights players arrived at Bell Center. We're waiting for a a league news release to confirm that tonight's game will be played. (laughs) Because as you've heard, the Canadians coach may have COVID. Maybe COVID irregularities. You know, I'm just going to say before we bring on 
Mike Kelly, the the flow of information sometimes, and this one's a tough one, but the flow of information sometimes from the NHL is <laughs> more than frustrating. It's a developing situation. Sure. Now, the injury stuff is not. That stuff gets kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Mike Kelly works for the NHL Network. He's up with Stephen Adam here in Vegas. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I, uh, I just went through security here at the Bell Center, and... The latest I'm seeing is that no Canadians or Golden Knights players are on the updated COVID list. Okay. So that's a good thing. Um, Not sure about an official release, whether the game's being played or not, but staff is never listed on those lists anyways, but uh, no players on the COVID list. So yay for that. So that would be a good sign that we're going to see some hockey in a couple hours. (laughs) I would assume that's correct. How, I mean, how big of a loss is it to play without a coach? That's a good question. Look, I, I think in a in a one game situation, I, I don't think it's that that huge of a deal. Um, they, they would have gone through the reps today, practice even with the assistant coaches. Um, this is the third game against this team. Um, I don't think not having your head coach behind the bench for a game is a massive deal breaking type situation. Not ideal, obviously. Um, you know, if this turns into, yes, it's a positive COVID test, which I don't know that, but if it does, uh, and you're out, you know, 10 days, 14 days, whatever it may be, well, that's, that's a bit of a different story. I guess, the, uh, as you mentioned, you know, no players being on the list, how is it possible to not have a close contact? Uh, it's a good question. Like I, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, an expert by any means in uh, the COVID protocols here. Um, close contact, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a legitimate question. Um, these players are, would have been tested, obviously, uh, to, to see if there were any other tests that came back with any irregularities or certainly a positive test, and it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, but I, I don't know off the top of my head all the ins and outs about uh, the. Um, close contact and how that could affect availability or anything like that. Got some uh, actual hockey to talk about here, but uh, last thing that I have on that this, I can do. Yeah, the last <laughs> thing I have on this, like, do we know for sure? Like, is he on the is he on the bench? Do we know for sure at all? We've had reports, we've had speculation. Do we know anything as far as like final answers on this? As far as I can tell, I don't believe he will be on the bench. Okay, um, it, it looks like it's game on here. Um, but it, it does. I do believe that there was an irregularity this morning with the test, uh, and then um, I'm just actually reading a statement the league just put out. Um, reading and talking at the same time. I'm not <laughs> You're good. You're good. Uh, Take your time. No, he, he he got his second shot. Obviously, I think that's already out there, and uh, it does sound like he will not be behind the bench. But I don't know if that's because it was a definitive positive case or another irregularity. Um, I'm not sure, but it looks like Luke Richardson will be behind the bench. I also heard a report that Sean Burke may be behind the bench tonight, but this is a, a fluid situation, as you guys know. All right. Uh, Mike Kelly's with us, NHL Network. All right, let, let's talk about the uh, Canadian side first in terms of, uh, well, just the fact that they're here. I, I know uh, you were bullish on the Canadians back to the summer. I don't know about semifinals bullish, but making the playoffs bullish, you, you thought this was going to be a pretty good team. I did, yeah. I liked a lot of the moves they made in the offseason. And uh, I like the fact that they're a team that can roll four lines and has good balance throughout their lineup. Uh, Tyler Toffoli addressed uh, a scoring issue. That this is a team that's never had an issue generating chances. Um, they need to finish a little better. You bring in Tyler Toffoli, it's what he does. 
So I like some of the moves that they made. Uh, Corey Perry, you know, if, if he could do what he did to the Dallas last year, that would be a huge win. And he's kind of doing it. I didn't know that he'd be able to again, but he's been an effective player. That, that Canadian's fourth line, in my view, has been uh, the team's best line in this series so far. And, you know, Philip Deneau is a guy that is not talked about a lot as a, an elite shutdown centerman in the league, which he is. Doesn't provide a ton of offense, not as much as he used to. But he can go up against another top line, a Matthews line, a Blake Wheeler line, a Mark Stone line, and saw them off more often than not, which is a win. So, yeah, I, I thought at the start of the year, if enough went right for this team, I thought they'd have a legitimate chance to potentially win the division. And they got off to a rocket heart hot start, uh, 10 games, seven wins, just flying all over the ice. And then things went sideways. Um, playoffs started. I didn't have a lot of hope because there was so much inconsistency with the team. But my, my view has always been, if this team can play as well as it's capable of playing, they are four lines deep. They are hard to get inside on in the critical scoring areas in the defensive zone. And they have carry price. And that is a recipe for potential playoff success. Mike's great with the uh, the numbers, the analytics. Uh, game two, what do you think of Petrie's return? I thought he was, look, look, he's pretty good for a guy playing with, uh, you know, mangled hand. So uh, a couple banged up fingers. Um, and I remember I dislocated my finger once, and I was just uh, useless for like two weeks. <laughs> so these guys are built a little different than me, though. Um, but look, he, he played 20 minutes. Um, all even strength, didn't play special teams. And that's fine. You got Eric Gustafson, who's, who's been good as quarterback in that power play. Um, but he played 20 minutes, five on five when he was on the ice, which is almost all of his minutes. Um, the uh, high danger shots were 4 1 in favor of Montreal. He was on the ice for a couple of goals. He had an assist on Tyler Tafoli's goal. He started the breakout on Paul Byron's game winning goal. He was, you know, he jumped up and had a couple of chances as well where he gets low in the offensive zone. He wasn't the dynamic. Um, Petrie, I, I would say, I guess, and, and that's what I'm talking about, you know, exiting the zone, skating the puck up, uh, going end-to-end, um, skating up from the D zone right through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. Only Nick Letty has done that more among defensemen in the playoffs this year. He's a great skater. Um, so we saw little bits of that. Um, and, and, look, if you can get 20 minutes out of whatever you want to call it, 80% Jeff Petrie, 90%, that's better than – six more minutes and five more minutes for Kulak and Gustafson or Romanov if he's in or whatever it is. So uh, I thought he was pretty good, all things considered. What has Cole Caulfield brought to this team and, and what's like kind of the next step that he can take? You talk to the players about it and they'll tell you he brings energy and fun and, and youthful exuberance uh, to a room. Uh, never a bad thing, especially on a team that's got a lot of veteran players. On the ice, Look, the guy's a pure goal scorer. All he does is score. All he's, all he's ever done is score. And what's kind of hilarious to me is that even when he gets to the professional level, the team that drafted him, Mark Bergevin made a comment about, well, you know, scoring at the pro level is different than NCAA. So they put Cole Caulfield and Laval in the American League for two games. He scores three goals. Not a big deal. Well, then you hear Dominic Ducharme talk about, well, scoring in the playoffs is different than scoring in the regular season. And he comes in and, you know, I'll set up an overtime goal. He scored an overtime goal. The thing that's been most impressive, though, I mean, he hasn't been shooting the lights out goal-wise, his playmaking ability. Um, I didn't know he really had that in his bag to this degree, but he's setting up a lot of good chances, but, you know, getting some assists as well. Um, so he's kind of rounding into a, a offensive threat 
both by shooting the puck, which everyone knows you can do, but also by finding teammates in good spots. You can uh, follow him up on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. A lot of great stuff up there. And uh, one of the things I saw uh, you kind of going back and forth on some tweets about was uh, the 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 power play that Vegas has been running to get the puck uh, really through Petrangelo uh, has been effective. And Montreal kind of talked about it uh, in the post game last game, uh, just saying like we know we know that it's a play, we know they do it, we we talk about it. We've just got to find a way to stop it. What is what is Vegas doing so effectively with that? Yeah, so that's that set face-off play you're talking about. They run this actually at even strength. And this goes back to Alex Petrangelo's days in St. Louis, um, where they would run this a lot as well, where there's a face-off on the left side of the ice. He's a right shot, so he's on the right side of the ice. Call that his weak side, or the weak side, because um, it's not where the puck is starting from. So you win the draw on the left side, and Petrangelo will just kind of sneak right down, go right down towards the net. You get a winger to come in and help get the puck, and if left unchecked, you feed it over to Petrangelo on the right side, well, now he's got a little open lane to walk in and, and get a good shot on goal. St. Louis did this all the time. Uh, and they had different variations of it. And Vegas in game one did it, and Petrangelo just kind of fumbled the puck. And he went to the bench, kind of slammed his stick. He, you could tell he wasn't happy because he knew he had a good look. And I remember thinking, like, wow, kind of everyone should know that's coming. This has been around a while. Um, and then in game two, they run the same play, and Petrangelo gets it, and he walks in and scores. I'm thinking... Well, you literally saw this last game, even if you didn't see it in St. Louis. Um, and it's not that it's one of these plays that's just so hard to defend. It's just a matter of having a winger cover that guy instead of rushing the point. So, uh, you know, Vegas has a few different plays they run. They've, they've run one-timers to Shea Theodore, and, and it's not the only thing they do. But, yeah, I think Montreal will probably have a closer eye on him when he's on the ice on these uh, offensive zone draws on the left side to, in this game tonight. The Knights tried a couple of things to uh, to go on the first line with uh, Chandler Stevenson out the other day. Uh, what do you think they do? What do you think they tried? They tried Nick Watt. Didn't really work out to what they wanted. Uh, Keegan Colasar was up there. The offense was okay. Defensively, uh, he had a, a lapse uh, out there. So what should they do on the top line? Well, going by the line rushes this morning, it looks like Alex Tuck is going to be in that spot. Um, I haven't seen anything real recently if there's been any other developments, but that was the last I saw. Which is interesting, as you guys know, Alex Tuck is not a natural centerman. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, and he's been a really effective winger in the bottom six on the third line. Uh, but there was a game this year, uh, I believe against Arizona, where he played center. Um, he was with Yanmark and uh, someone else, his name escapes me, William Carrier. Yeah. So he's, he's done it uh, briefly. I have no concern of him playing there if that's what they do, um, because they're so fluid, Vegas. Um, in kind of where they are on the ice anyways, that's a big, fast line. Stone, Pacioretty, Puck, there's yeah. speed, there's size there. Um, so I, I think it could be effective. What I would worry about for Vegas is now you're really loading up the top six. Yeah. And uh, Tuck was a good matchup for them against, you know, bottom pair lines, bottom pair D on the third line. Like I said, Philip Deneau can shut down just about anybody, him and his line mates. And if they get a hold of that stone line, that creates more of a bottom six advantage for Montreal. And I already talked about how good Montreal's fourth line has been. So, uh, look, you, you're, you're missing your top line center. There's going to there's gonna have to be an adjustment somewhere. You can't win everywhere. I get it. They don't have to stick to it all game either. Um, but it looks like that's the way it'll start. Uh, how do you think uh, – how, how do you see this game playing out tonight? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> I see – you know, I, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we get a kind of low-scoring-ish type game. Um, if you're a, you know, we're talking to Vegas here, so we're getting into the betting. 
you might want to hit the under. I think the under hit last game with five goals, right? So yeah. um, I could see that. Just again, Flurry and Price have been so unflappable. Um, and when Montreal's really, you know, kind of playing at its best, it is not a high event, up and down the ice, chances both ways type of game. And with last change here, um, and again, Stevenson uh, looks like out of the lineup also. If Montreal can kind of get its teeth on its kind of game, it, it just lends itself to being you know, less um, uh, kind of offensive barrage type game Vegas will want to play. So that would be my uh, – I'm not giving advice. I don't want people losing money here. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you're just betting Monopoly money, I'd probably take the under. Real quick, great, a lot of great stuff. Uh, but real quick, what do you think the building is going to look like? I mean, we've, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of fans up in Canada. We had you know, just a couple in there. What is it going to look like tonight? Well, they got 3,500 here, up from 2,500 last round. And I'll tell you this, from you know, living in Montreal and going to a lot of games in this city, this building, at capacity, I think it's like 21,000. They, they put a lot of people in it. 3,500 in here will feel like 18,000 in some other rinks in the league. Uh, this building is loud. The fans are excited. Uh, when I was walking in, Carey Price was just pulling in, and the fans in the street were cheering. This city was not expecting this. Uh, it's been a while. And uh, the fans here, you'll, you'll hear it on the television. You'll hear it through the screen, even though it was 3,500. Mike, thank you. That was awesome. Thanks so much for uh, calling from the building, too. Appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. There is Mike Kelly, NHL Network. And listen, uh, I meant that because, uh, you know, calling when you're getting ready for your assignment, you're inside an arena, not always easy. I feel like I've asked everyone on the show, maybe not John. Uh, have you been to the Bell Center before? Oh, yeah. What do you think? Loud, yep. Where uh, you were there, was, we were probably uh, together. Actually, I don't. Not that we were like hanging out together or we traveled together. You were there for USC. What something? Oh yeah, okay, it was the St. Pierre. Was fight. it St. Pierre? Uh, Sarah, were you at that fight? No. So St. Pierre, Sarah. Now remember, George St. Pierre had been upset by Matt Sarah. I think it was in Houston. So Matt Sarah is the champion. Matt Sarah is kind of a grinder guy at 170 pounds. Massive upset. Really, the only time GSP was derailed in his prime. And I'm telling you. Being at a building, first of all, it's the biggest arena I've ever been in. Not stadium, arena. Yeah. It like it oh, holds. Yeah, he sure. said twenty one. I think it, I I thought it held more like twenty three five. The the screen, the big screen and the HD is the biggest screen I've ever seen in an arena. Not in a stadium, in an arena. And man, the the fights getting ready to start. And I look up because I'm sitting on the floor. And George, for folks who don't know who George St. Pierre is, you know, he's an all-time MMA guy. He's, he's from Quebec, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's French-Canadian. That he's was like the, about the year, by the way, he was voted top Canadian athlete over Wayne Gretzky. He, and, and he, uh, like the fans traveling to see him, unbelievable around the United States. So now he's in his home arena. It's time to get revenge. And I, I swear to God, I looked up. It's one of the coolest moments I've ever seen any sporting event. There's a lot, I have a lot of good fight stories over the years about loud crowds and the setup. Because at the beginning of fights... Like the the energy before a big fight is just it's I've always said it's unmatched. It's crazy Super Bowls I've been to, World Series, whatever. I look up to my left, and someone unfurls a sheet, right, like a bed sheet. You're not allowed to bring in signs. Bed sheet goes down. It's just a tombstone. Rip Sarah, and it was. I just looked around. And it was. It was so g damn loud. Like actually, my the hair on my arms is standing up now. It was like, oh my god, this is going to be incredible. And then it was just. A massacre. Yeah, yeah. But that place can get really loud. So, I mean, we're talking MMA. I know the crowd's small. It's only 3,500. But with their passion and their history and their tradition in hockey, it'll be cool. 
Yeah, for sure. And we do now have some quotes coming out from pregame about what the Canadians' plan is tonight with Ducharme officially out. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company. Is that the mausoleum? Nassau Mausoleum? Taking over the National Anthem? I guess so. Yes, right? Right, Ari? <laughs> that's what it is, right? All right. I mean, that, that sounds like uh, just a, a much bigger vocal crowd um, on what uh, Chet does, senior night at UNLV. It's great. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool when the, the crowd takes over. Ari said he hated it. So what was the problem? Well, I don't like the National Anthem in general. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? As a song, I don't enjoy that song. I don't think it's a great song. Oh wow! Look at this. Um, also, I think music, musically, like nobody's talking about what the what it represents. Oh, musically, it's an objectively bad song. Correct. I don't think it is. Also, oh, I'm just. I know you say, love the Canadian national anthem. Oh, beautiful poetry. Do we finally get it in French tonight? Yes. Did they do it in French for either game? No, Here? we don't need it. We, we, we like the anthem the way that it is. No, I'm saying the Canadian national anthem in English and French. Here. Uh, no, English. I'm surprised they don't do it in French here. How many anthems are we going to do? We should be doing none. Both, you guys, both of you guys with the anthems. I mean, I love the Canadian anthem. It is a good anthem. It's, it's great. You know what? And on, I, like, on a side I, note, I, I like the U.S. national anthem. I don't like that it's been weaponized. Yes, exactly. So that, that's, a, that's a thing, you know, that's kind of driving people nuts. Um, oh. But I, I thought that was cool that the crowd took over. And, yes, it's in Nassau Coliseum. If you grew up in the New Jersey, New York area, there's a talk show host there. He used to bust on the Islanders because the Islanders were kind of good and then, you know, just – Okay, but he used to call it the Nassau Mausoleum. On a side it's note, the Coliseum, believe me, it is not a mausoleum now. Those fans are freaking yeah. jacked that they have their team back in their home area, not in Brooklyn. But as, as we're discussing, you know, the Canadian and U.S. angle here after Game One, I mean, we, these things are so ridiculous. But as the Canadians are skating off the ice, there's a group of fans gathered at T-Mobile to chant them off the ice with USA, USA. Which, okay. Which, like, you just <laughs> spent, you know, three hours cheering for Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> that is silly. It's so silly. Although, that said, I did see my guy Tim Raines, who had a good stint with the Yankees. Uh, you know, real prime of his career was in Montreal with the Expos. Decked out in Expos gear, oh, yeah. like, Tim, you were born in Florida. Eh. Montreal legend. I think he had I a mean, Canadian's mask on. He did. Yeah. I mean, we got we to gotta put Tim Raines now with J.J. Watt with his uh, Caulfield <laughs> stuff. Come on, well, pick a side. The, what's in the same color? The right That's side. Okay. Let's all do a USA chant. You, uh, no? Okay. I mean... That is like, weird. The, the, like the, like that is half weird. the team is from Canada. That is weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I told you, I, I was. I thought it was. I thought it was borderline insulting when I was when I was up uh, covering UNLV at Air Force and the uh, the Air Force the, the cadets are chanting USA at UNLV. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I, I guess. 
I guess if that's what you want to do. All right, coming up, 3 o'clock hour, about 15 minutes away from Darren Millard. Uh, we got some fights to get into. Believe me, Adam and I are going to get into a fight because we were talking about this weird Waffle House thing that blew up on social media. And last break, Ari wasn't even in here. He's running around the building. But uh, Adam and I started screaming at each other about waffles. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now.